Hello, everybody. Um, I am Lisa Leach, and since I didn't have a guest for the day, I decided I would just tell you some stories that I know that my family experienced. And I'm going to start with my dad's because it's the oldest. Now, he was hanging with some friends. Um, I don't know what year it was. A long time ago because he's old. Anyways. He was hanging with some friends. They were teenagers, and they were hanging around what we used to call the experiment farm in Homer, Louisiana. It is um, actually not an experiment farm so much as it's a, well, I guess it really is. It's a place where they do experiments on trees and grass and animals and all kinds of things, and um Back in the day when he was a teenage boy, he hung, was hanging with his friends um, in an area that you can no longer get to. It's closed off to the public now. But back then, it was freely open to anyone who went out there. And it was late one night, they decided they were going to go hunt rabbits. Really, they were just going to go hang out, you know, like teenage boys do. And um, they were sitting there, and they were just, you know, chilling, talking, doing what teenage boys do, probably talking about girls. My dad better have been talking about my mom at that time. Anyways, um, they were just sitting there, and they, I don't know if they heard something or felt something, but it made them turn around and look behind them and behind them something was standing that had to be eight foot tall and my dad said it was standing right behind the car and its eyes were red and he says they were glowing red now whether that was because of the reflection from the taillights or if they were actually glowing on their own i do not know but i know that's a big distinction but I can't tell you which one it was anyways it scared them really badly and they all took off so that was the end of that story but I think that makes my dad the first one of us to experience anything out of the ordinary and uh let's see later on I remember I was about three years old and we lived in a mobile home in Homer, Louisiana. And my sister and I shared a room. And our room happened to be right next to the front door. So we could hear everything that went on. And one night, my mom and dad got in a fight, which they used to do a lot. But <laughs> they still loved each other. But. I remember mom going out on the porch to get some fresh air because she was so angry. And while she was out there, I heard her screaming, Randy, Randy, which is my dad's name, by the way. And he went out there and then I heard him going, what is that? What they were seeing were two creatures flying 
over the trailer, over them, no further up than the tops of the trees. And neither one of them could tell you what they saw because their description was more like a Jersey devil than anything else I've ever heard. The description was of something about six foot long with bat type wings that were at least six foot wide span. Um, reddish brown in color. No hair, no feathers, nothing like that. They said the feet, they could see feet, but they couldn't tell what what the feet looked like. But the head looked like a horse. It was shaped like a horse. And they had tails that were probably as long as they were. Now, what they saw... I can't tell you because I have never experienced anything like that. And neither has anyone that I've known ever seen anything like that. That was back in 1972. And Homer was a small town. It still is. But where we lived, we had no neighbors. Um, We had a a really unique setup where we were in the city limits and yet no one lived around us. We had a wooded area and across the street from us was a public swimming pool, which I lived in my whole childhood until we moved away when my mom and dad separated when I was nine. But um, anyways, I, I don't know whether to call that a Jersey devil or some kind of prehistoric pterodactyl. I don't know. If anybody out there does know, I'd appreciate an email at cryptidsunlimited at gmail.com explaining to me what those might be. Okay. Now, next, um, I'm going to tell you about a sighting that my mother had. Um, it was on, I think, LA2 in Louisiana between Cotton Valley and Homer. There was a bridge, uh, a small bridge, not one of the really big long ones that are out there, but one of the smaller bridges. And as they were driving, she said they came up on this bridge and there was something on the bridge standing on the side. And as soon as it saw them or their headlights, it was nighttime. As soon as they, it saw the headlights, it jumped over the side of the bridge and landed at the bottom of the bridge. And you could still see, like, from the chest up of this thing after it had already jumped over the bridge. She said it was white or gray, um, covered in hair. It looked to her like a Bigfoot. And um, I have had other stories out of that area, so I can vouch for their being Bigfoot activity in that area. 
Now, besides the cryptids that my family has experienced in our lifetime, um, we have had several incidences with hauntings. That's the only thing I can call them. They're hauntings. Um, I want to tell you my mother's experience first before I move on to my own. But she was living in a house in Homer, Louisiana, downtown Main Street. And she would experience things, especially while we were all gone. She would experience things like lights turning on. And I saw this too, especially the light that was outside on the carport. It would turn on, off, didn't matter what time of day, night. This light had a mind of its own. It um, would often go on, off. Middle of the night, my room was right next to the carport, so I always knew when the light came on in the middle of the night. And the toilets, they would flush on their own. Um, nobody in the bathrooms, the toilets would just flush. I guess they wanted to clean themselves. But um, one incident that um, I can recall my mother specifically she um we were all in bed it was you know it was past bedtime everybody's in their beds and my mother starts yelling at me asking me what I'm doing and I'm like I'm laying in my bed I'm not doing anything she says no you're not I said yeah I am don't you hear me I'm back here I'm in my room and she says well what were you doing a minute ago, I said nothing. I was laying in my room. She said, I saw you. And I was like, no, you didn't. She said, well, I saw somebody. I said, well, it wasn't me. So basically what she had seen, there was a, a double French doors between her bedroom and the living room. This was one of those really old style homes. And what she, at night she could see through the really thin flimsy curtain layer that was over the doors because the light from the front yard from the road um would shine through and you could see anything between that doorway and the outside she saw someone or something walked through the living room, hunched over like an old man, and reached for something in the corner of the room and turn around and walk back out. Now, mind you, I had to walk next to her room, her door, down the hallway in order to get to my room, so I don't know why she thought it was me. She was just trying to make sense of what she had seen. And I get it, you know. I don't like seeing things or hearing things and, and not being able to figure out what they are. Nobody does. That is a really creepy feeling, one I've had many times. And I don't know if stuff like that just followed us around all the time because my family in itself has had so many strange occurrences from cryptids to uh, hauntings and 
even weird, almost, my mother could almost predict the future in, in weird ways. Just at, just at uh, odd times, times when you, you know, she wasn't looking for anything and it would just pop into her head and she'd be like, uh, I don't know what that means, but this is what I saw. And several times I know um, it did mean something. One in particular was my grandfather's death because she she pre-saw that in a, what she called a dream. She saw my grandfather driving a car and he yells out, whoa, Nellie which is something my granddad used to say when anything would go awry, you know, whoa, Nelly, something that old folks used to, used to say. He said that in her dream. And the next thing she knew, she said she looked at him and she knew he was dead because he had his arms folded, folded across his, across his chest um, you know, just folded and his eyes were closed. And she said, I, I, I know he was dead. And I don't know why I saw that. It was not long after that, that my granddad did have a major heart attack and it killed him. And when we were at the hospital, and we had heard them call the code blue to his room. We pretty much knew what was up. He had been feeling bad and he had already suffered a few slight heart attacks at home. And now he was in the hospital with the major one and we knew, we knew when they called code blue. And, um, but when we went to view him afterwards, Oh, God, I'm going to make myself cry. Okay. Um, when we went to view him afterwards, he was laying in the exact, exact position that my mother had seen him in, in her dream or vision. And he looked exactly the same. And it it really bothered her. It It bothered her when she saw him because she knew. Okay, move on from that quickly. <clears throat> I hate that. Okay. Now, another encounter that my mother had in the same house. Um, she was the only one home. We were gone. And we came home. She had been cooking supper. And supper was sitting on the stove, half finished, you know, the macaroni and cheese sitting there with no cheese and chicken half fried, you know, not, not something my mother would ever do. She, she was going to cook till the meal was done. She was not in the house and we found her sitting out on the front porch. So we had a porch swing and she was sitting out on that swing. And we asked her, I said, mom. What's wrong? Because I could tell something was wrong. I was about 17 at this time. And she said, I'm never going back in that house again, ever. 
And I said, Mom, what happened? She said, it tried to kill me. And I was like, tried to kill you? What are you talking about? She said, well, while I was cooking, she said, uh, I don't know what happened, why it happened, how it happened. I can't explain it. She said, but I was frying the chicken. And she said, the stove blew up in my face and knocked me across the room, knocked me down. And I was like, what? And, I, you know, my stepdad's there and he's like, what? Let's go check the stove out and see what's what's going on. Stove was perfectly fine. Could not find anything wrong with it. It was an electric stove. There's no way it it could have blown up a fireball on her like she said it did. Uh, the, the burner still worked. You turned it on and there was there was no problem with it. We could not figure out anything wrong with that stove. But my mother was insistent. She says, I'm moving. I'm not staying here. I'm getting out of here. I, I'm, I can't do it. I can't do it. She said, I feel like it wants me dead. So we don't know what it was. We did move. I moved in with... Um, my boyfriend at the time, John Abbott, God rest his soul. COVID got him. He was a good man. But we did move, but it didn't get any better. Now, let me back up and tell you that while we were in that house, I did experience some really strange happenings. I heard the the toilets flush, you know, that's just something you get used to. You get used to hearing the toilet flush on its own. You get used to seeing the lights go on and off by themselves. You know, things like that just, just, they're normal to me. And I say that to people and people look at me like I'm crazy. I guess I am because that kind of thing was just normal to me. It always happened. And I remember specifically one time when I was experiencing, I had uh, endometriosis. So during that time of the month, I know people don't like to hear about that, but during that time of the month, it got really bad for me. I would ball up in a fetal position on my bed and just be sick as could be and hurt so bad. So one of these days, one of the days I was actually like that, I was curled up on my bed. My mother had been in to check on me several times and had gave me some Tylenol, you know, to ease the pain. And um, while I was laying there, you know, I got used to her. She'd come in and check on me. She'd sit on the side of my bed and she'd ask me how I was doing, you know. She did that a two or three times and then once I felt her sit down on the bed and I rolled over to tell her that I was feeling a little better and she wasn't there no one was there but I tell you I felt it 
someone sat on the side of my bed. And I can't explain that. I really can't. I had no cats. The only dogs we had were outside. There was, there was nothing in the house to account for that. And one other time, I had my door closed. And in those old houses, there's a good inch gap underneath the doors. You know, they never went all the way to the floor like, like doors do now. You could get down on your, on your hands and knees and look under a door to see where somebody was, you know. Which, you know, now it's creepy thinking that. But anyway, <clears throat> I was in my bedroom and I had been just sitting on my bed and I was reading a book. And I heard footsteps walk up to my door. And so I glanced up and I could see the shadow moving outside my door. I could see underneath the door that something, somebody was there. And I was like, what do you want? You know, teenagers, 17 years old, they don't want to be bothered. Just leave me the heck alone. And I'm like, what do you want? Nobody answered. And I hollered, Mom, Carl, GW, which was my stepbrother. Nobody answered. So I finally, I threw my book down. I got up and I went to the door and I flung it open. There was no one there. No one. And nothing to account for the shadow I had seen or the footsteps I had heard. There was no one there. I went down the hall and I started asking did anybody come to my room? Anybody come down to my room? Anybody walk by my door? Nope. And my door was at the end of the hall, so nobody could actually walk by it. They had to walk up to it. Nope. Nobody. I couldn't explain that either. But those are minor occurrences that happened in my lifetime. Those were minor. Um, my mother did move, and I, like I said, I moved in with John Abbott. And um, it was just down the road from my parents' house. And I would still stay at, at my parents' house. You know, I would just sometimes go stay with John. And one night I was out on a date with John. And my sister was over at the house. She's three years older than me. So I was about 17. She probably, she had to have been 20. She was just staying over. She was sleeping on the couch. And my stepdad at that time was in the VA hospital. He had, he had back surgery and he spent uh, at least a week in the hospital afterwards. So it was my mother, my sister, and my stepbrother, GW. <clears throat> well, my mother heard the water turn on in the bathroom, which was next to her room. So she got up because the water had been on for a while and she kept thinking, they're going to turn that water back off. She started thinking, well, maybe it's the toilet running. I don't know what it is, but there's water running. So she got up to go see why the water was running. And she noticed the bathroom door was shut, but the light was off. And she opened the, well, she knocked first, got no answer. She opened the bathroom door and there was no one in there. 
the water was just running. And so, well, let me back up because the light was on. That's why she went, she thought someone was in there because the light was on. And I think I said it was off, but the light was on is why she thought someone was in the bathroom. But um, when she went in there, the water was running in the sink. There was nobody in there. So she turned the water off and she flipped the light out. And when she did, she realized it was too dark. There was always a nightlight in the bathroom. And it was pretty bright. It was one of those that you could get up in the middle of the night, go to the bathroom, never have to turn the light on. It was gone. And she was like, well, where is the light? So she looked around. She didn't see it anywhere in the bathroom. So she goes out of the bathroom. And my sister's awake by this time because she's heard my mom, you know, walking around and fiddling around, probably freaking out just a little. So um, she asked my sister, were you in the bathroom? She said, no. She said, did you see anybody go to the bathroom? She, she says, no. And uh, she says, I was asleep. I didn't see anything or hear anything. So my mom goes on into my stepbrother's room, and he's sound asleep. It wasn't him. So she's like, well, I don't know. Somebody was in the bathroom, and now I can't find the nightlight. So my sister and her got up, started looking for the nightlight. Everywhere they could think, you know, look for it. Couldn't find it anywhere. So. My mom says, forget about it. We'll just, we'll just get another one. So she heads back to her bedroom. She goes back to her bedroom. And when she walks in, that nightlight is lying on the bed where she had been lying. Not possible. Not possible. Not in our scientific world. Not possible. But yet, there it was. She screamed and ran back out of the room to my sister. And at first, my sister said she wasn't making any sense. She was just babbling, you know. Ah. And my sister's like, slow down. Tell me what happened. She takes my sister back there, and she shows her the light on the bed. And my sister's like, wow. How did that happen? You know, they couldn't explain it. But that. That same night, um, after the nightlight incident, they went back to bed, and my mother was awakened by screams from my stepbrother. And she went in there to see what was wrong with him, and she said, I kid you not, his bed was shaking. It was shaking enough that it was coming up off of the floor. And she said, I didn't know what to do. I jumped on the bed with him. And she said he was still moving just as much as it was. She said, my weight didn't make any difference. And it scared her so bad. She, she grabbed GW and, and, and they, they ran out of the room. And my mother was so upset over that. I remember my sister trying to calm her down. And I came in from my date in the middle of all this happening. And I was like, what is going on here? I mean, y'all are freaking out. 
and Jadebi's crying. My my mom's darn near crying. She's so upset. And she's 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 asking GW, what what was that? What was that? And he's just crying, I don't know. I don't know, you know. Well, he's he's probably 13, 12, 13 at the time. You know, I've heard since then that that seems to be the age that if something's going to mess with you, it's going to mess with you then. So maybe it was trying, trying to attack him. I don't know. But it was playing, it was playing games with the rest of us too. Now, I think I know what started this because my sister and I bought a Ouija board. We didn't know any better. We didn't know any better. We got a Ouija board from, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of that place that had all the toys for kids. But we found one there, first one we'd ever seen. So we bought it. And we took it home, and we were like, well, let's try this out. So we followed the directions exactly, you know, sit with your legs crossed, knee to knee, place the board on there, you know. We did that, and we were just kind of like, this isn't going to work, you know. We were kind of really thinking nothing was going to happen. Well, the planchette started moving. And, of course, we're looking at each other, and we're going, you're moving that. She's saying, no, you're moving that, you know, and I'm going, I'm not moving it. You're moving it. Well, I said, ask it something. So my sister says, okay. And then she's like, I want to talk to my dead grandfather. I want to know what he used to call my, used to call Lisa. And this thing started spelling out. And it spelled out L-I-T-T-L-E-B-A-B-E. Little babe. And that's what my grandfather used to call me. My sister was big babe. I was little babe. And... Both of us immediately started crying because we were like, that was, that was not what we expected at all. You know, we didn't expect that to happen. It was a shock. And I don't believe we were talking to my grandfather. I really don't. Because all the things that happened later had nothing to do with him. He was a good soul. Um, my stepfather caught wind that we had a Ouija board when he came back from the hospital. And this was the first time he was in the hospital. He had three back surgeries. This was the first one. And um, he started playing with the board. And I thought it was kind of cool. So, you know, I would play it with him. And I would sit there at the, the dining room table. And we would play with this board. And we had done it so often 
and always got something, you know, we, we always got some kind of reply and, and some of the things were even strange. I mean, I had one lady named, I can't think it was Wanda. She said her name was, and she wanted me to call this phone number and tell them that it wasn't their fault and she forgave them. And I never could bring myself. I was too scared to try to call that number. I never called it. She said it was somewhere in Florida. And I I just, I never could call it. I, I don't, I, I thought, what if it's, you know, something else, but it, I never called it. And um, over the time that we were using the Ouija board, we connected with this entity that called itself Lola, L-O-L-A, Lola. Um, but when it described itself, we asked it where it came from. It said it couldn't tell us. And we were like, what do you mean you can't tell us? She says, it's not from where you're from. And we were like, what are you, what? So we asked and we said, what do you look like? Or what did you look like? And it said, I was 12 feet tall. Say what? Wait, 12 foot tall. And I was covered in hair. And I know that sounds so far-fetched, hard to believe. And, yeah, it, it, it was hard to believe. And I was picturing this. Didn't know what it was then. Um, I was picturing something like a Bigfoot. I'm like, I'm communicating with a Bigfoot? that don't make any sense you know I'm not going to communicate with a Bigfoot on a Ouija board I now feel like after learning all that I've learned I feel like I was speaking with a Nephilim um a Nephilim that called itself Lola didn't know that at the time but my stepdad was so careless he would be talking to this entity named Lola and he felt like it was harmless he would call it she 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 it's Lola she she's been talking to us and he one day I remember specifically when we were we always said goodbye but that day he said you're welcome to come here anytime and I know that's wrong. You don't do that. I didn't know that then. I knew that shortly afterwards because what happened afterwards was obviously because of that. Um, I mean, it messed with my mother. It, it messed with my stepbrother. And it messed with me because I was sitting in my bed writing in my diary which we used to do. We had little diaries with locks on them back then, you know. I was writing in my diary. 
and picture on my wall moved and it was a big picture it was probably three foot by two foot it, it was a big picture you know it was a big wall picture and when it started moving I looked up and the picture flew off the wall and I'm not saying it fell straight down it didn't fall straight down it flew sideways about three feet and hit my wall on the other side of the room and it left a hole in the wall so this fell sideways with such force as you would have had to have grabbed it and thrown it sideways into the wall to do that there was no reason for that i mean there was no wind i had one window it was closed it, it, it was unexplainable and i i screamed for my stepdad he came in there and he looked he said what happened and i told him he said no way i said yeah i saw it it that's what happened he looked at the hole in the wall and he said, oh, my God. I said, I told you. So that was, that's what happened in that house. I moved out shortly after that. So I don't know if anything more happened. Um, my mother didn't mention anything else. So it could have, and I just don't know about it. But I had experiences I moved into a Queen Anne home, two story. Me and my husband. And we had been married about six years, you know, at the time we had, we had kids, two kids together and I, and, uh, we moved into this Queen Anne home that we called the greenhouse because it, it was green. The house was green on the outside. Beautiful home. Oh my God. Hardwood floors. Staircase was gorgeous Had gorgeous chandeliers. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. And I loved the kitchen. Oh, it had this big island and double ovens. It, such a gorgeous house. Kitchen had been totally remodeled. So nice. But things started happening about a year after we moved in. Things started happening. I was sitting on the couch one day and I can't, I, it was storming outside, but it wasn't, you know, bad storm. It was just your tech, your typical summer storm, you know. And I'm sitting there watching the TV, and beside the TV, there, beside it, only both sides are two are windows. And on the right side, a blue lightning bolt came through the window, all the way to the floor. And I was like, oh, my gosh, did you, did anybody else just see that? Nobody had seen it. It was just my kids there anyway. They, they wouldn't have seen it. 
but it was amazing. It was blue. It was gorgeous. It really was. Um, but not long after that, we started hearing disembodied voices. You know, my husband would come in the house and ask me, why do you keep hollering at me? And I'm like, I, I, I hadn't said anything. You know, or he'd run in and say, what do you want? What do you want? I'm busy. Uh, didn't call you. I don't want anything. I'm cooking supper. You know, I never called him. My kids would do the same thing. They'd come inside and say, what, Mom? What, Mom, what? Because I didn't call you. And they did that a lot. They'd come in, what do you want, Mom? nothing um first time i heard it i remember it was in my husband's voice and it was right behind my ear like he was standing right there and he said hey i turned around expected to see him there really expected to see him there knowing that i had just watched him get in the car and drive to the store and i still expected to see him there and the only thing I thought was, how did he do that? But I turned around and looked, and nobody was there. That was creepiest feeling. I mean, you hear things that that creep you out, like say you're outside, you hear something in the woods, you hear a growl, you hear a howl, you know, a scream, anything. And it's coming from far off. You might not know what it is. It might freak you out just a little bit. But when it's right there beside you and it's right in your ear and you're hearing it, that's a whole different feeling, let me tell you. Trying to understand how that sound came from thin air. It just doesn't make sense. Not to me doesn't make sense and I've never been a person who welcomed any kind of paranormal supernatural activity you know that's that was never my thing I liked looking for Bigfoot I still like looking for Bigfoot that's always been my thing I don't welcome ghosts or demons into my home I don't and I don't want them there. And I will rebuke them. Though I've not had that many experiences with them since I left this home. But things started to change. My husband would wake up in the middle of the night and see his oldest son standing there beside the bed. And he would go to ask him, what do you want? And he would disappear. I never saw that, but he did. He would tell me. Um, lights would turn on and off by themselves. Um, you always, on one set of stairs, there was a nice staircase in the front that went up, turned to the left, went up, turned to the left, went up, and there was a nice open balcony, and those stairs were okay, but on the other side near the kitchen, there was a set of steep stairs that just went straight up almost all the way to the top before it turned to the left and had like three or four more steps. They were carpeted. 
thank God, because everyone that used those stairs fell down those stairs, including myself. My sister one day coming down the stairs behind me flew past me. And I was like, and she lands on the bottom. And she's, I said, what happened? She said, I don't know. I fell. I said, you didn't just fall. You beat me down the stairs. I mean, you really fell. <laughs> I fell down them a few times, but the worst was when you were going up them. Because you felt something following you. And sometimes you could hear it following you. You could hear footsteps on those stairs in the middle of the night. And I know stairs in old houses creak and make noises. But you can tell the difference between creaky stairs, uh, creaky boards, and footsteps. There's a difference. There's pressure involved. But... For some reason, every one of my kids fell down those stairs. It got to the point where I put a padded rug at the bottom of those stairs to catch whoever fell, which wasn't right. And when my mother fell down them, you know, that was it. We were like, we, we quit using the stairs. We totally stopped using those stairs. Kids didn't use them anymore. We didn't. We went around. I don't care if it was shorter. We went around. Now, the usual stuff happened. Like, we'd hear noises, and we couldn't figure out where they'd come from. We, My husband and I would sit up in bed at the same time in the middle of the night, look at each other and go, what was that? Because we'd both heard a window smash, a glass breaking, things like that. I was in the bathtub, and it was in another room across from the stairs and my husband and kids were in the living room which was on the other side of those stairs and one night we heard this bang that sounded like well he thought I fell in the bathtub I thought my youngest son was trying to climb this is what I saw in my head my youngest son was trying to climb the TV stand in the living room which was heavy and I was afraid that it had fallen over and maybe hurt him. I jumped out of the bathtub, grabbed my towel, started running to the living room, and met my husband on the way running towards me. And I said, what was that? He said, that's what I was going to ask you. I said, it came from that way. He said, no, it came from this way. And I was like, Wow. Maybe it came from in between us. I don't know. But it was loud. It was loud. Something you couldn't just write off as something fell, you know, something. It was loud. Um, not long after, you know, we started noticing stuff like the TV. You'd be watching TV and the TV would just turn to another channel. And that happened so often that I got to the point where when it would turn to another channel, I'd pick up the remote and I'd yell at it, stop it, I'm watching this. Yeah, I sounded stupid talking to myself. But it worked. I'd be able to watch TV after that. Um, but there were different things that happened, like we had a waterbed. And we'd often in the middle of the night 
it feel like something took its hand and just pushed down on the waterbed and made us, you know, flop around on the bed. It was a free-flowing waterbed. And uh, we never could explain that. At one point, we thought, well, maybe it was the cat. We had a cat, sassy. But she was never around when that happened. And she was usually curled up with my daughter in her bedroom. And um, then my husband started telling me that he was having visions. And his first vision, he had walked into a church and he was walking down the aisle and he saw Jesus on the cross. And on the floor was a big mirror. And he cast the reflection of Jesus on the cross. My husband wasn't looking at Jesus directly. He was looking down at the mirror. And Jesus turned his head and eyes and looked at, looked at Paul. And, that, and he woke up and he told me, he said, I was looking at Jesus. And I don't know what that means or anything. You know, he was like, I can't figure that out. It was weird. It, it felt real. I said, well, maybe Jesus is trying to tell you something. And um, during that time, he did get saved. He went, got saved, Rocky Springs Baptist Church. I remember him getting baptized. I was so proud of him. Finally turned his life over to Jesus, you know. Um, but then the bad things started happening. I woke up to my daughter screaming, and she was probably five years old, may have been six by then. I went into her bedroom, which was at the end of the stairs that I was talking about. Everybody falls down. Her room was right there off the stairs. I went into her room, and she is standing up on her bed against the wall, and she is screaming. And... I went to her, and I'm hollering, Kristen, Kristen. And I'm like, maybe she's having a night terror. And I'm trying to wake her up. She is looking at something behind me. She's not looking at me. She's looking back there. And she is just screaming. And finally, my husband comes in. Paul and he just grabs her off of the bed and just takes her into our room well she finally calms down and she tells us there was an old man in my room and he was telling me to get out and he had his hand up like he was going to hit me and she said that's all she told us at the time that's all she could tell us later what she described to me was terrifying I can't imagine her actually seeing that at that young age, it just freaks me out. My other kids saw a black shadow. They were the boys. They shared a room. They saw a black shadow come into their room, walk across the room. And my oldest one's the one that told me about this. Walk across the room, put its hand over the nightlight. And just sit there with the hand over the nightlight for a minute and then 
let off the nightlight and disappeared. Now, this scared my kids. I mean, this terrified them. My daughter never slept in her room again, and she had spent so much time with me remodeling that room. We painted it pink because that's the color she wanted. She picked it out. She picked out the decorations. They were all Beauty and the Beast. She had the Beauty and the Beast border. It was all decked out just for her. It was her room. The boys' room, we had painted blue because that's what they had picked. And um, I think it had 101 Dalmatians theme for their room and um but my daughter stopped sleeping in her room she wouldn't even go back in there she wanted something she'd ask me to go get it she wouldn't go back in that room and all the kids started sleeping together in one room and later she started sleeping with us because she was so scared but something happened to my husband uh he became a person I didn't recognize anymore. He became a jerk. He would be mean. He would say mean things. He would deliberately push my buttons. Like, he would say things that he knew would get a reaction from me that would hurt me. And then one day he was... He was drinking. He got to drinking really bad. Really bad. Bad enough that one night he stood up, dazed and confused beside the bed, and just urinated on the floor, just right there. I was shocked. I was like, oh, my God. I was afraid to wake him up and tell him what he'd just done. That was creepy. That was creepy. But I really think something was messing with him. He had another vision later. He said he was sitting across the table from the devil. And he was making, trying to make some kind of deal. And the devil was telling him that his daughter was standing in the way she needed to be she needed to be dealt with that was my daughter that was the daughter that this thing appeared to that freaked me out I didn't like I didn't like leaving her there alone with him after that and there's so many things to go into Afterwards, um, I left him, my daughter there with him one day and went to Walmart. I wasn't gone 30 minutes. I came home. I said, where's Kristen? She's playing in the backyard. I went in the backyard. I said, no, she's not. Where is Kristen? He said, she's in the backyard playing on the trampoline. I said, she's not back there. He said she has to be. She would have had to climb over the fence if she's not back there because no other way for her to get out of the yard. I said, well, she's not back there. And I went into a panic. Oh, I started looking. I started calling everybody. I called my mother, my sister, everybody I could think of. Come help me find my child. 
I was uh, just about to call the police when a neighbor comes walking around the corner on the sidewalk. And I knew her. She lived like two houses down, three houses down from me. She says, is this your daughter? I'm like, oh, my God. Yes, that's my daughter. And I ran to her, you know, and I grabbed her. She said, well, she was in my house. I was like, what? How did she get in your house? She's like, I don't know, but she was in my house and I was in the bathtub and it scared me because she came in the bathroom and asked me if I had any cookies. I said, I'm so sorry. I imagine that was terrifying to be in the bathtub and have some stranger come walking in there. She said, it's okay. She's okay. I gave her cookies and told her she could come back and visit. But my husband had been responsible for her and didn't know where she was. And later on, he got worse. He got, I remember one day he was drinking and we had a balcony on the second floor. We were all sitting out there. It was me, him, and his friend, Greg. And he was sitting on that red, red uh, the rail of the balcony. And I was thinking, oh, my God, he's so drunk. He's going to fall off. He's going to kill himself. So I started asking him, please get off that rail. Well, when he discovered that it bothered me, he stepped over the rail on the side to the roof, went all the way to the edge of the roof. I just started standing there doing a little jig. He says, well, what do you think about this? Oh, my God. You can I was like, he is fixing to fall. He's fixing to die. I'm, there's nothing I can do. And I'm screaming at him, please, please come back over here. Stop it. So he comes back over there and he steps back over and he has his drink in his hand. And he goes, what are you going to do about it? And that just went all through me. And I'll tell you, I threw what I was drinking. I threw it at him. and. It was a, a knee-jerk reaction. He balled up his fist, and he came and he smacked me across my cheek so hard. But I'm a fighter, so I came back at him. I jumped on him, and I was beating him with everything I had. And his friend pulled me off of him, Greg. Thank you, Greg. And um, after that, it just it went downhill. My mother would babysit my kids because I worked at night and I would go to work a few hours before my husband came home from work. So I would take my kids to my mom and a few hours later, she would bring them home to their father. But I know specifically one occasion my sister was with her. It was my sister and my mom. They went to take the kids home. My husband, Paul, was sitting on the couch, staring straight ahead. Didn't acknowledge them being there or anything. 
just staring off into space. Didn't respond to, hi there, hey, here's the kids, anything. It creeped my mother and my sister out so bad. They were afraid to leave the kids there with them. My mom took them upstairs, put them to bed, told them to go to sleep, hoping they'd stay there all night. But that was scary, learning that. And then one day I discovered that my husband had brought a girl over to the house. She was 15 years old. I learned about her from friends who used to visit us often, Mike and Pam. They were good friends. And while I was at work, this girl, Laura, had came over with them, 15 years old. My husband had sexual relations with her in the living room with my kids in the house. Luckily, they were in bed. That's not what, that's not the point. And one day I came home, and this was before I found out about the 15-year-old girl that he should have went to jail for. He was sitting at the table, and he, had, he said, I'm, I'm going to quit drinking. I said, really? Cool, you know? He said, yeah, I really think there's something wrong with me. And I was like, yeah, you're an alcoholic. He said, no, I think there's something else wrong with me. And I'm going to quit drinking. And he had actually taken all the bottles. He had collected wine bottles and, and whiskey bottles and, and all sorts of bottles that he had collected. He had them sitting up on the top of the bar all the way around the kitchen. He had thrown every one of them away. And I said, oh, wow. He's serious. He loved that collection. But he didn't change. He didn't stop drinking. He had a moment, I think, of, of clarity. A moment of clarity before he got worse. And then came the girl. And then came, then came him forcing himself on me. Which was the last, the last draw. I was like, I'm done. Uh, I am done. If I could forgive you for the other things you've done, I can't forgive you for this. And I, I got away from him. I, I moved back into our old home. He moved from there also, but he moved into another house that someone was renting. He had became so horrible of a person that I was afraid he was going to harm one of my kids. I was, and I thought it was going to be Kristen. I don't know why I thought that, but I did. And I, I just literally did not recognize him as the man I married. He, he wasn't. He was not the man I married. Didn't even resemble him. Now, if you ask him about these incidences, he'll tell you he doesn't remember them. 
most of them. Every now and then he'll say, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. But he doesn't remember most of what he did or what he said or how he acted. And my kids remember it. I remember it. I do honestly believe he was possessed or at least oppressed. There was something in him that wasn't him. And it came from that house. Um, there are a few other things, but I'm, I'm out of time. Um, we did leave that house. And I did eventually get back together with my husband because he was the husband that I married again. He had beat it somehow. And he didn't remember it. So it didn't scar his life like it scarred the rest of ours. And to this day, I don't think he remembers any of it. He tells my daughter he doesn't know about any of that. Okay. We do. We remember it. But anyway, that's some things that have happened. That's not everything. My life has just been a whirlwind um, from the time I was three years old, I guess. And I even remember being two years old. I remember being two years old, falling over my dad's little railroad. He had a train set, a genuine train set, one of those that's so dang expensive now you can't find them anymore with the little metal cars. And I remember being two years old and knocking that train off the track. Oh, I'm getting yelled at. Oh, I got yelled at. I remember things from when I was two years old. I don't think a lot of people do. But I had a traumatic, traumatic childhood. I had a traumatic childhood, a traumatic teenage years, traumatic young adulthood, a traumatic adulthood. There are so many things that have happened to me. And I guess that is what has brought me to where I am. And I'm here to share all of that with everybody because I know how it feels to experience things and have no one to talk to. I am here to talk to you because I understand. And I don't care what it is that you're experiencing. I understand it. I have probably been there at some point in my life. I remember incidents as much as standing underneath my grandmother while she's holding a gun and she's pointing it at my mother I remember that that stuff stays with you I remember being stalked in our car and, and being terrified on a drive from Louisiana to Oklahoma where, where we were living And it is terrifying to experience these things so young. And it has actually stayed with me my whole life. I have come out the other side and I have learned to accept people for what they are. But I don't trust anyone. Because I lived with my husband for 21 years. And one day he disappeared. <laughs> Literally. 
I got up that next morning and everything he owned and him was gone. I never heard anything in the middle of the night. Never saw him pack anything. Never heard him pack anything. His drawers were empty. His side of the closet was empty. All his little knickknacks, things that he kept, his toothbrush, his razor, his everything. Every sign of him was gone. And I didn't know what was going on. So I got my daughter and I asked her if she knew anything. She was 19 at the time. She's like, I don't know. I said, let's go drive out to your dad's work and see what's going on. So we drove out. We were in Ardmore, Oklahoma. We drove out to King Air where he was working. He was an aircraft mechanic. I went in the office and I asked him if I could see my husband. I said, I, I don't want to talk to Paul. They said, he's not here. He didn't show up for work this morning. Oh, wait, what? Okay. My daughter's trying to text him. She's on her phone. She's just texting away. She's not getting any answer. I'm trying to call, you know, no answer. It's like he, he was a missing person for about five days. And then I got a letter in the mail with the return address of his ex-wife, which was my worst nightmare where he was concerned. 21 years I had had this awful feeling that I wanted to keep him away from her because that was my worst nightmare is that he would leave me and go back to her. I had that fear the whole time we were married. Every time he'd mention her name, every time I would see her somewhere, it was my worst fear. And it happened. It did. It happened and it rocked my world. And it rocked my children's world. And my daughter lost all respect for him that day. She seldom talks to him now. He sends her birthday cards, texts her once a year twice a year going, hey, come see me. She doesn't. She doesn't want to. She said to him when she finally saw him that first time, you didn't just leave mom. You left us all. And that's, that's what people need to understand about divorce. It's traumatic. It's not traumatic just for the partner. It's traumatic for those children. I experienced it when I was a child, and I became so isolated away from my father. I don't like seeing that happen to others, but it happens every day. I see it every day. My neighbor's going through a big divorce right now, and it's terrible. It's horrible. She has a stepson that she'll probably never see again. She loves that boy. But anyway, I don't know how I got off on that. That's not even supernatural, paranormal, or, or cryptid related at all. 
but I just want you to understand that I'm here to talk to you about anything. And I can sympathize, I can empathize with what you're feeling. And maybe I could help somebody. And if I can help somebody, then I've done my duty for the day. Because that's what God wants me to do. Help others. God bless you. And good night.